Hello, welcome to another Azure centric podcast on our Azure Updates weekly show. Uh, my name is Marcos Nogueira. I'm your host for this week as any other week. But with me, I have always my very best friend, Andrew Lowe's. How are you, Andrew? <laughs> I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much for having me this week. It's, uh, it's, it's the week of changing seasons this, this week, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, it's not only Azure that change rapidly. Apparently, the weather are following the same CI, CD. So oh, like gosh. continuous yeah. improvement, continuous deployment. I think somebody pushed a bad update, though, my friend. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the, the the recover or to redeploy with the previous version, because oh, yes. here in Alberta, it's <laughs> not like I I want to say this on a pleasant way. Um, nice. Well, yesterday was beautiful, right? It was 22 so degrees. I have to we say, we were we were lucky. So, um, because we are each other's um, cohort, I suppose. Uh, we were we were hanging out and doing some wonderful hard work out in the sun, and uh, it was t-shirt weather. I had to put on sunscreen, which apparently didn't fully function. <laughs> um, I think it might have been left in the car for the winter, so maybe it didn't work. <laughs> but oh. I don't feel sunburned, though. Uh, I mean, everybody says I look so dark today, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was marvelous, and today we have a foot of snow. Yeah, there's some uh, ugliness outside. Somebody pushed the bad update out there. I think Absolutely. we can redeploy. I heard Tuesday yeah. we're getting a new update. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be much more reasonable to deal yeah. with. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, but in this in this week regarding our, uh, Azure, we had a lot of good things on on Azure uh, mm -hmm. happening this week. Um, there was yeah, I, it was I a busy week. We had like thirty some uh, updates. Yeah, and it was pretty tough to kind of whittle it down to, um, you know, what is what is relevant and you know what is uh, gonna stay in for good topics, right? Yeah, exactly, and it was it was a kind of a team for Azure as a developer, uh, more like a week. Although mm -hmm. we are not developer guys, so we really need to uh, carry down all of that, or, or in this case, not include for the agenda of this week. But if I have to choose kind of a topic for this week, for this podcast, uh, for this show, this today or uh, uh, this week is more like uh, a good update on on monitoring side of it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a few really kind of cool updates um, yeah. that relate back to monitoring and especially like log ingestion and things like that, right? Exactly. Log analytics, Azure monitoring. We have some few updates regarding SQL and, of course, uh, the automation that we always love. Right? Absolutely. Okay. So should we roll the video and starting our show? Yeah, let's kick this off. Let's kick this off. So hang on for a moment. I just... Rolling the video and we will come back in a few seconds. So welcome back. Let's jump to the first one. And our first update for this week is log analytics 
Windows agent for winter 2021, now GA. I have to start this update and with the question uh, that um, I have to ask is, is this agent of twi winter 2021 is already been vaccinated? <laughs> because it's looked like because it's like I wasn't ready for that. Question. You are not ready for that. I was preparing. That's why I was I was I was starting this because yes, folks, we're back uh, recording this on during day. So we are bearing on snow in April. Uh, yes, we know it should not be snowing even in Canada. Should not be snowing in April. It's our Late April, weather. I have to say. Late April, right? Uh, yeah, we are past the mid. -day. Yeah, we're in the second half here. Yeah, yeah. we're on the we're on the downward spiral for this. Kind of <laughs> exactly. <stuff>. <laughs> so, but Log Analytics Agent uh, Winter 2021. So, pretty cool update. It's now in GA. Okay. So, mm -hmm. and this reminds me a few things. Okay. Uh, that you need to upgrade your agents that you already have installed right now because yeah. it's GA, it's production ready. So you need to do that. There are different ways that you can do it, either manual uh, or through the command line. Or if you want to go a little bit down on a path, you can use our best friend called DSC, Design mm -hmm. State Configuration. Right? Yeah. So one of the one of the things um, that I'm always reminded of every time we see one of these log analytics um, updates is when we look at the command line switches that this is really built on the old ops agents. Right. So uh, there's a lot of the switches that are actually still ops insights uh, based. Right. And I think that's really interesting because it speaks to how solid this monitoring, this log analytics really, really is, right? Yeah. It's a it's a well-known technology. It may have a more modern name now, but uh, the base of it is still very solid and has had some good longevity. And uh, it, it's one of the things that I enjoy about it because it, like you just put it on and it's kind of a set it and forget it until you have some updates. And if you're not using um, the automation with DSC, then it's certainly something worth exploring, um, I think, in many environments, right? Because yeah. uh, it can really reduce your workload, right? So I always think of it as, you know, if I have to do it once, okay, twice, hmm, now I'm starting to think about it the third time. All right, how much time will it take to build the automation for this? And will I have kind of that return on investment, that ROI of if it takes me uh, 12 hours to build the automation for this, but I saved 30 hours in the next, you know, quarter, then clearly there's a very fast ROI on that automation build time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this agent is still, the, the, the part that I like about this is still having the old name of the MMA, Microsoft Monitoring Agent. So it's coming from, the old days of the uh, of the system center operations manager uh, and all of that, you can multi omit this agent. You still, although they did a little bit of of, of changes along the way. Uh, if you're looking at this, and and now the good thing about this is is the same agent no matter which Azure cloud. What I mean with that is 
you can either use this for Azure commercial or for Azure government in this That's case. Right. Um, and this is this is good because means that if it's good for Azure government, especially in the US, and and they are using exactly the same engine for Azure commercial, I felt way I felt way more secure to using this. Uh, it's giving. It, it, it's not that that I was not secure before, but if it's the same thing and goes on the cut of all the security requirements regarding the agents, right? Um, why not in this case? It, and, and it's simple. It's really simple for people like like us, for example, that we are always working with um, with either government or we either com commercial. It's good because now we can have our own scripts. Uh, and update that DSC that we always use uh, mm -hmm. with the same version. We can reuse those scripts in this case, no matter or adapt those scripts in this case to the environment of, of any customer. So yeah, just thinking about the scripting um, in the update, I do notice that this is for the release of the 32-bit agent. Yeah. So uh, there is 64-bit uh, as well for the agent, and in this case, this is just the release of the 32-bit agent. Yeah. Good point because I almost forgot that that topic. That's why you are on the show, my friend. I have to uh, between the two of us, we can forget everything. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and between the two of us, we will remember everything, right? So, uh, it, so. it's it's about capacity, right? <laughs> That's the important thing. And this is the perfect segue for the next update. The next yeah, update small is small capacity upgrade here. Exactly, right? just small, like tiny. General availability for the Azure Blob storage support objects up to now now a little bit of silence, two hundred terabytes in size. Wow! Yeah, that's uh pretty big. Yeah. So each blob can have up to now fifty thousand blocks, right? Yeah. And each block is now four gigs in size. I remember when these were a thousand and twenty-four bytes. Uh, for block size, <laughs> bytes yes. for the little b. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure that everyone understands, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, four gigs per block. Like, per that block. is quite significant, right? It means we have less fragmentation. It means we have uh, overall faster write and faster read. Yeah. Um, you know, the write speed is very important. We, you know, we tend to take that a little bit for granted now especially with so much cloud computing and cloud storage. Yeah. But that write speed is usually the one that slows us down. So large block size. Uh, certainly, I'm not a, a data scientist by any stretch, and far be it from me to uh, understand all of the hardware uh, at that uh, scientific level. I do know that bigger numbers are better numbers in this case. Yeah. And this is and one of the reasons that, that if we want to be non honest, that is pushing this is the Azure Data Lake storage, the Gen 2, mm -hmm. right? Because it's where it's supporting the I've Gen 2. I've forgotten how to of, drink my coffee today, Marcos. The data, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are just live, so you, you, you don't need... We have like millions of person watching this. Wait, are we live? This. Is the live button on for this one? No. <laughs> yes, I did already record this, my friend. I have to say it. Although you are small this time, because if we were on the other screen, like for example, this screen is going to that be that could have been bad. That could be really bad. 
I apologize for interrupting. I just, I, I would, I'm That's not okay. sure how visible all the drool is, right? So That's okay. <laughs> what I was saying is this update is, is, is ma not made, is getting because of the usage of the, um, in this case, the Azure Data Lake storage. Okay. That's correct. It's quite a popular product, right? It's really taking good hold. And it's growing like massively because they had this before with less and because of all of those block sizes and, and, and the size of the block and the number of blocks as well. Uh, and it's because it's Azure Data Lake where you put all the information there and then you can uh, transform and have all of the ETL regarding that on that location. It's a very popular, they need to grow this, which is good because allow us to just use this for way bigger, uh, way bigger sizes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this is going to really, uh, I think, set a bit of a benchmark for Azure storage accounts, right? Like we've seen sizes growing 100 and 200 terabytes kind of yeah. here and there for different features. And it's more becoming the standard at these larger scales now. Absolutely. So I think I think we're going to be starting to see in the next little while even further growth and a little bit of standardization um, across some of the different storage platforms, right? The different types of storage that were uh, that are uh, present in Azure. There we yeah, go. Couldn't absolutely. think of the word. And and shows the the evolution of the cloud uh, because this type of update shows that they are growing and now we as a consumer can take advantage of that right absolutely right and that's one of the things that is really cool about public cloud with azure is they have all of these teams that work in a very dedicated way to push uh, rapidly the growth of things so the storage team in this case is really pushing very hard and, uh, you know, we get to see the benefits of that, right? So once they, they figured out uh, how to solve all the problems at the hardware layer, then they do the integration layers, and then they integrate to other products. And then we start to see these benefits kind of move throughout Azure. And uh, they do all that hard work, and we just get bigger block size, more storage, higher limits. And that's really important as everything is very rapidly still pushing to cloud, um, you know, we're still seeing a lot of clients that are doing a lot of migration work right now. And, you know, last year was the push to remote abilities, um, kind of bringing, you know, how do we get everybody together? So Teams was really front and center. But now that everyone is in Teams yes. quite comfortably, um, there's a lot of push to, well, how do we bring all of the other things along Absolutely. with everybody now? Yeah. So. There's a lot of on-prem or distributed data in many organizations. And I think this is a, a kind of a good foundation layer for that, right? We're going to start to see a lot of support for all those data pieces coming together. I like it. I know I'm extrapolating a little bit here. No, that's but... okay. <laughs> but, but, but it is. And, 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 and I, I could not agree with you more, uh, to be very honest, uh, because it's, it's, it's good to see that they are pushing always the boundary or the envelope further and further and further, which makes totally sense when we pitching for the cloud and we pitching for all of these updates that it's up to us to, to use it in this case or consume it that service uh, totally. Um, the, another update that is, is a, a, I have to say, and I have to confess 
that is a horrible mention. We've thought that this is a nice to mention on our show. Uh, is the general availability of Lustre, AHM, Lustre. Yeah. Lustre, uh, AHM tool now available to import from or export to Azure Storage. So it's not my wheelhouse, I, I have to confess. I never use Lustre, but from what I was reading before of the show and when I see this update I was reading, it's, it's pretty cool because Lustre, is a file system that is an open source, a parallel file system that supports the requirements uh, for the HPC. So this is related to the high-performance computing, the HPC part Definitely. of it. Um, and it's really cool that now they have a tool. And this tool, if you follow, uh, I apologize for the ones that you are listening, uh, I highly recommend going to the Azure blog in this case um, to see this update because mm -hmm. there is the tool over there, the file system hydrator, for example, that is available on GitHub. And yeah. that is the tool that you use in this list to just using that. So it's, and it's pretty cool. Uh, and the part that I like about this, um, this update is basically, this is, maintenance by microsoft and that's the part that is it just makes us now surprised that every time that we have these open source things right now it's not more a surprise but it's still good to see that is is under the microsoft in this case github uh kind of branch right yeah so i i i, will, I did uh dig down a little bit here on uh, this Lustre uh, file system hydrator tool. And it's a Python-based tool, right? So um, this allows uh, an organization to take that Lustre data and import it into an Azure storage account. You can use it with Key Vault. It's uh, able to generate uh, SAS tokens and put the SAS token into the Key Vault and use it. You can uh, link it with a VM identity and it's fully RBAC compatible, which yes. is you know absolutely fantastic. So I feel like this one, uh, as a tool set at least, may have been developed uh, very specifically to support a specific use case with a client and uh, help them to migrate data securely into Azure. And one of the things that, uh, like you said, is really cool is when we see these open source tools published for everybody to share now that it's of course, it's open source, but uh, it uses the proper methodologies, right? So it's using SAS tokens. It's using Key Vault to store this, the, those tokens, and it integrates with existing RBAC in your uh, your current structure, right? So you can assign roles to it versus assigning people and direct security groups and things like that. So this is one of those uh, kind of things that is like a little, I know it's just an honorable mention, but uh, it's like a little hidden gem kind of underneath it, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, what we see is this, this simple on the surface kind of migrate your data here. But underneath, uh, there's all this thought, all this architecture and design that's gone into this uh, file system hydration tool, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and that's and it's really cool in this case to, to, to have it. Uh, so, so... So yeah, and then again, it's developed by Microsoft. Uh, not not very 
many people just download this part but and and it shows the part of the hpc because the hpc world is an open source world right mm -hmm. um that you really are taking advantage of the call the compute and you are building your system and uh, on top of that and that and that shows that that specific part regarding these these updates right yeah exactly yeah and it, it, it's interesting how microsoft really has truly evolved um with the kind of that internal mindset that it's okay to share this kind of tooling now and i love when they make it generic so that we can uh, all consume that so if, yeah. you know say you and i are working together we have a client that needs uh their hbc their luster file system uh moved over we now have a tool to help us migrate or hydrate that data into an Azure storage account. And we don't have to start from scratch uh, with all of that Python development, right? Absolutely. So Microsoft has done the hard work here and made it publicly available and said, hey, you know, if you have these file systems, um, you know, go ahead, you can take advantage of this tool to help you out. Absolutely. Moving to the next update is about Azure SQL. Mm -hmm. General availability updates from April 14, 2021. In this case, these updates, what they are talking about is Azure SQL is related to the Azure SQL Manage instance, where well, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And it's basically an update regarding some of the things that we already mentioned here. That is what's called service tags for user-defined routes. That's right. So yeah. if you didn't see the podcast about that, uh, please visit um, that, that, that podcast uh, because we have very deep dive of about service tags. And at that time, if my memory doesn't betray me, it was ready to firewalls. It was, yeah. We were talking about um, firewalls and integration of different devices and user-defined tags, right? Yeah, and the, all of the service tags and driving automation within the whole user-defined route structure through those service tags. Exactly. So Yeah, so uh, it was totally a deep dive session and uh, <laughs> it's really worth listening to. In fact, I may refresh my memory by going back and rewatching that one yeah. as well. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, like check out Azure centric on YouTube. Um, you, you know, no matter where you're yeah, hearing, oops. listening or viewing this and, um, just, yeah, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. So, um, yeah, go have a look, have a listen, uh, check it out. You know, don't forget subscribe. Right? Exactly. I have my <laughs> subscribe button. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I remember I came back last week. And uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, we just run things kind of raw around here. Completely. And uh, sometimes we uh, have what we call rebuilding the system. <laughs> yes. And we have some kind of, um, how I can say this, graphic uh, uh, kind of enhancements. Sometimes some, some hosts have bigger heads than the other ones something <laughs> like that so far we don't have any issues um so far we never know uh how, how we can moving forward but this let's go back to this to this update what i like about Absolutely. this service service tags if you are new in this case to the channel uh first of all thank you um and 
the second is the service tags what it what it is is basically a kind of a, a name that you give a kind of an alias that you give when you are configuring all of those things right mm -hmm. especially the subnet configuration and all of that that um even that they already have some of those components behind it so the system knows automatically when you are when you are using those service tags what does that mean so for example if you are using azure cloud dot region he already knows that everything is within that region that you are uh, or in this case on that podcast that specifically that, that we're talking about was uh, firewall rules so mm -hmm. if we put like for example uh, office 365 he already knows that is not the IPs, is all the URLs and so on and so forth regarding those service tags for using defined routes. In this case, for SQL managed instance, we're talking about, for example, subnet to virtual subnet. So you can use, for example, even if you update those subnets or if you add more subnets, the advantage of that is using these tags you don't need to go to the manage instance to give uh, or to reconfigure again with the new subnet automatically by using the service service tags you are adding that subnet uh, to the rule in this case and mm -hmm. automatically is configured that's the beauty of it so you configure once and then it's just to up to up to date that uh, configuration not a configuration that change on your environment and we'll update it automatically yeah exactly <clears throat> and it, it's super useful if um, you want to take that configuration uh, especially as part of a migration right so if you're doing um, like a vnet migration for example um, service tags are going to really help make that less painful um, there's no easy way to do a vnet migration but um, we can make it a little less painful right and uh, I like that it uh, takes all of that custom DNS mapping uh, with it. You just have to have, um, and the, uh, the deep dive article uh, in the MS docs does a really good job of explaining it because I, Lord knows I won't. But uh, if we have, <laughs> <laughs> if we, if we have complex rules in the NSG, uh, we have uh, the user defined routes, you have um, custom DNS, but uh, also public DNS and, you know, because we can have a little blend, right? So um, if you have all of these complexities in your environment and odds are if you're using managed SQL, uh, it's a complex environment um, because that, you know, helps to simplify things for us. So uh, those things are uh, moved along, they're ported really through those service tags to other subnets and those configurations kind of move along throughout your configuration as really, really helpful. Um, but it also means that we can manage things using uh, automation and also policy with those service tags, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's that's the part that that is really useful for these service tags is 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 the useful uh, and way to just configure once. And, and even if you need to change the environment, you can use that. Absolutely. Moving forward, now we have one of those uh, topics that is really cool. 
that is the public preview of SAP NetWeaver in North Europe and updates in the cluster monitoring. So again, now you said NetWeaver, not Dreamweaver, right? NetWeaver, yeah. Okay, yeah. Why? I just I just always think of uh, like uh, Net, uh, Dreamweaver uh, every time I see Weaver in, uh, ah, in okay. the title. <laughs> no, no, this guy's it's it's a product inside of SAP that is, is. the, the NetWeaver. Uh, it's not the Dreamweaver in this case, no. Although this update is really cool, because I have to say it's it's the way that you can have a lot of organizations that are moving their SAP workloads to Azure. And yeah. and one of the challenges is how to monitoring those, uh, right? And and especially because SAP have their own proprietary way to monitoring and and all of that configuration, and they have their all of that language, ABAP language, and they use a lot of Java as well, and the SAP ANA database. We've been mentioning a lot of SAP ANA monitoring as well, but in this case. It's the, their portal, right? And what I like about this update, it's another horrible mention over here, but it, it goes from the Azure monitoring specific for SAP solutions, what they call AMS. So mm -hmm. Azure monitoring for SAP. And what it does on, on over here, it's now you can monitoring this component that is the SAP NetWeaver. Uh, with ABAP in this case and with Java as well. So, first of all, is in preview. Uh, so we always have to come to that conversation of preview is not to deploy in production. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think we already beat that horse uh, to death. In this yeah, case. we can leave it for a couple of weeks. I think yep. we can. Uh, but this update is only available on a few regions. So East US, East US 2, West US 2, and West Europe, first of all, okay? So there are a restriction regarding that. The second part is, is, is again, is a way that they want to have one-stop shop, in this case, for the SAP technical monitoring to basically monitoring a kind of subset of the uh, uh, SAP NetWeaver like the SAP NetWeaver with ABAP and Java, SAP HANA database, SQL if you are using or not, Pacemaker, and of course the Linux side of it as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? And like you said, you know, we've had a lot of updates, um, I'd say over the last few months really, about um, SAP and especially more recently with SAP monitoring. Yeah. And uh, it's nice to see this one pushing out because it really allows Azure Monitor to function uh, kind of internally with SAP when it's on Azure, right? And, uh, you know, as you know, it's very critical that we monitor not just all of our Azure workloads, but in SAP, it is such a critical system. And uh, Azure has really done a lot of dedicated work, I want to say in that area. So we know that there's bigger hosts, there's dedicated hosts, there's special hosts that are made specifically for SAP HANA compatibility um, that have, uh, there's very specific configurations we need to do when we configure uh, SAP on Azure. 
And this is part of that, right? So it's part of the full ecosystem for SAP. So it's really nice to see this um, kind of also entering, yeah. right? So, with, uh, you know, the users of SAP, uh, SAP can uh, count on not just their internal monitoring within SAP, but can also start to take advantage in their test environment, in this case, uh, of Azure Monitor and those alerts and building out dashboards and things like that, right? Uh, yeah. It's really, really cool stuff that's going to be coming from this, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving to the next one is the public preview of functions upgrades in Azure Monitoring Log Analytics. So this is a very cool one. Uh, although it's still in preview, uh, this allows us to just, instead of having the custo log queries, to have now function, in this case, queries, using Azure Monitor on Log Analytics on your environment. So allow us to just increase even more, in this case, uh, the integration with the function upgrade on our Log Analytics. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And in these, um, so we, we, you know, they're called solutions, right? Solutions functions. So these are really pre-built Azure monitor functions yeah. that are used in solutions and insights, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's just uh, making it more usable, making um, some pre-canned uh, queries really more portable. And I think as part of this, we're going to start to see the ability to, uh, I mean, well, we can always uh, write our own solutions and work, uh, workspaces, workbooks already, but it's going to, uh, I, I see this one kind of carrying forward, making it easy to build custom functions and make them a little more portable between your different solutions. Yeah. And I, and I, the part that I see uh, that I like about that is the part that now you can easily or more easily about, about these functions um, that you can have is using, for example, I know that's a, a redundant, but Azure function to just kind of query, to see, to try to investigate, to try to automate a little bit further um, in this case, and then doing something with that result, for example. Uh, that's the part because um, on Azure function is going to be very complicated, for example, to do a, a, a custo query, right? And using those ones that we have is going to, to, to enhance even more the users of Azure Functions and the automation uh, uh, logging, uh, uh, the automation part of it that you can have regarding the logging that you have on your system. That's the part that I like. I want to explore this more, uh, still in preview. So when it becomes GA, we will be able to, to see it um, more even more uh, uh, solutions, like you mentioned, that we can take advantage from that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be really nice as this one comes out. Um, it's in, uh, I think, public preview, right? Public, public preview, preview now. Yeah. Yeah. Public so uh, when it hits GA, um, uh, unfortunately, I don't have any um, kind of testing tenants uh, that have that deep uh, log analytics data that I would want to uh, query on. Um, so I just have it in my production tenants for me. So once it hits GA, I know I'm going to be uh, digging into that one pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Moving to the next one, general availability of the new Azure policy built in 
definitions for data encryption in Azure Monitor. This it is the week of Azure Monitor again. Here it is. Go. It is the week of monitoring log analytics, like we said uh, on the on the starting right. Yeah. So this one is pretty neat um, because it's about the customer managed keys. Uh, and they talk about different scenarios where you can use this and it's integrating with your key vault. So you're really starting to see um, kind of some of these security best practices kind of filtering out using different language and really trying to show um, Azure customers how to take advantage of these uh, secure builds in the real world in kind of uh, easier to understand terms I, is how I like to think about this. Yeah. So for this one, we talk about uh, Azure Monitor Logs clusters should be encrypted using customer managed, customer managed key uh, and audit if uh, queue analytics uh, cluster is defined with the customer managed key. And I think that I just found a typo because I don't know what queue analytics is. I think it's supposed to be an A for just the analytics. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so and and I have to say that you're welcome. I We've read this. I, I read this, this at one. least two times, and and I read this this uh, before the show, and I say yes, but I never. Yeah, Q analytics, it's it's not. Well, so here's the reality, right? There's so many uh, terms for all of the different products and services. And um, when I gave this a pre-read, honestly, I thought they were talking about some new service. So I was hoping that that was going to be in the intro of it, but it wasn't there. And uh, it's just a standard English typo. That's all it I is. I think uh, it's some... a fat finger because it's a Q&A. And exactly. They are, they are on the same side. Right? Si no, in this case, it's one up and bottom. Well, it's up. Yeah, but yeah, it's still, uh, but it's, it's, it's still within I think it's a fat finger uh, mistake. But that's okay. Uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, you're supposed to uh, <laughs> you're supposed <laughs> to audit your log Q analytics. Yes. In this case, cluster uh, when it's defined with a customer managed key. Yeah. So this is really about um, starting to build out. Um, the analysis and the alerting based on the fact that you're using secure encryption keys and key vaults. So uh, this is a really kind of a neat thing um, when you start doing this. And I've used customer managed keys on uh, log analytics before. And it's kind of an interesting thing because once you set it up, it's really set it and forget it. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit of forethought up front. Um, you put the keys into the vault. You uh, you tell your log analytics workspace that it needs to communicate with the key vault um, for that key, and uh, that's it. Like there was, there's nothing else to it. There, honestly, there's no magic. Um, it's just about planning it out. Like anything uh, in IT, we have to uh, define our requirements. In this case, it was using customer managed key, and when we do that. You set it up and it just runs. It just works. And uh, I didn't find it to be impactful in any way other than uh, it met the customer's requirements of having uh, self-managed keys. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about this update as well is 
is attached to a policy so is attached to the azure governance side of it so now mm -hmm. you can make a standard for your organization so instead yeah. of being all over the place and now for this you have one key or one type of key in this case customer manager keys and for other one you are using king vault and for other one you are doing this and then it's a monitoring system so we'll have access to all of those systems and sometimes depending on how you are configured you have some elevated privilege as well right mm -hmm. um now you are saying no i want a policy in this case that will put all of my keys that i need for the systems inside of for example a cluster uh, inside of uh, uh, of azure key uh, key vault for example and that's it that's the part that I really like about this update is that governance is always kick me the part of the governance of creating the standard. So we know what we are doing. We can standardize. And because it's Azure policy, you can even audit what you already have right now and kind of collect the report in a way that you don't need to enforce, but you can always know what you are been using and and especially for us that we are coming usually to those environments that they already built and they asking okay how you can make it better right do your magic usually I, i i really rely a lot of times on azure policies Absolutely. on the audit mode in this case to just yeah. give me what is a deviation from what i want to To, to, to see it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really um, kind of underrated when it comes to Azure policies, right? Is because you can see at a glance um, once it's set up, uh, especially, and we want, to, we want to emphasize in audit mode first, because we want to just do that, right? We want to just audit. We don't want to enforce until we fully understand everything that policy is going to really do. Yeah. Um, One of the things that is my, uh, I think probably, well, you know what, I think it's probably my top thing um, that I love about Azure policy is how you get to see the enforcement, uh, not the enforcement, the adherence, yeah. right? So you can see, okay, I have 50% of my uh, log analytics workspaces are compliant with this policy and 50% aren't. So you can go to the ones that aren't and drill down and see why, what was uh, part of your rule set that triggered it to be non-compliant, right? Yeah. And uh, that's where the value is uh, right there because that does the work, uh, like you're saying, uh, for us. And we present that uh, to the customer and say, hey, um, you know, this is why you're not compliant with this set of rules. Yeah. And, you know, we can, we can support you. We can write uh, the rules. We can change this <laughs> one, one innocuous setting from audit to enforce and Uh, then many of your software systems will no longer have access because we also didn't think about how they use these other keys. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, that's why we have to be careful with the enforce button. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's always it's always a, a a good way to understand what tools that we have to just uh, and what is in this case uh, the way that if you enforce what is going to happen in your environment, right? Absolutely. 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 So let's roll this forward to the next one. Um, do you mind if I read the title for this Absolutely. one? Absolutely. 
So GA for Log Analytics Workspace Name Uniqueness is now per resource group. So we've seen this, and I think the, the example that comes to my mind uh, to relate to this is storage accounts, right? Mm -hmm. So when we type in the name for a storage account, has to be like all lowercase, it has to be no spaces, no hyphens, which kills me, I love hyphens, and uh, no uh, weird characters, right? Yes. But it has to be unique per, um, per, uh, uh, per resource group as well. Um, there's other requirements, so please, people don't get too upset, listeners and viewers. <laughs> We're not talking about storage account requirements in this case. We're just the log analytics workspace naming. Yeah. So uh, for the log analytics workspace name uniqueness per resource group, this is a really good thing because you can end up with multiple workspaces for log analytics very easily. And it's nice to know that there's going to be no duplication. So the duplication will have the same name. So uh, it could be Andrew's, uh, Andrew's Workspace, for example, right? Yeah. And then the GUID is going to be different. So you could have three called Andrew's Workspace and they look all the same yeah. in the graphical interface, but the GUID is different for each one. And there could be different uh, things stored in each one, of course, but then when you go to reference it, say through CLI, for example, in cloud shell and uh, you call Andrew's workspace and you get data that doesn't make sense. It's because we didn't enforce unique naming yeah. and this is going to resolve a lot of those challenges. So it's just kind of the, the constant evolution, right? So, yeah. um, you know, when we st we've started to see a lot of log analytics workspaces now, uh, I want to say very popular with all of the clients I've been working with recently in the last year or so. Um, they're starting to do more monitoring. They're starting to aggregate that data. And more importantly, you can put expiration dates on it, right? Which yeah. I absolutely love yeah. because monitoring data is sometimes a liability. If you keep it for 10 years, someone's going to ask you, well, what's been the uptime of system X over the last 10 years? And you may think that you're at two nines, but when you pull that data, you're going to find you had, uh, okay, so Saturday patching and you have to re like apply all of those complex rules for uptime in your organization back for that whole data set of 10 years. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> and it's not only that it's like, I going on, a, on a little bit more deep level. Uh, that is like when you adding a VM to this log analytics workspace, right? Uh, when you're going there and you say enable, for example, the metrics, you mm -hmm. need select. So when you select that, now you have multiples because I see a lot of organizations putting like VM monitoring as the name of the workspace. Mm -hmm. Cool, I have nothing against that. But now you have like 300,000 gazillions VM monitoring, okay? Because they want to have that logging inside of resource group which is unique on the resource group right but then when you adding the vm that you are on a different on a different location now you have vm monitoring for a lot a lot of different yeah. then you need to go to find what is the workspace resource id that is global uniqueness okay 
to go there and now starting to go on the goods on identifiers right to go there and and enable that to the portal because the name is exactly the same right yeah yeah so absolutely you're, right. you're absolutely right that's why i in this case for me when i'm when i'm at, at the customer uh, and i always reinforce this for me should be unique within the subscription yes because that's correct it yeah. should it helps facilitate not having these types of uh drama because this is drama for me it's just drama um and right see, now it's, see, I it's never good. recommend that uh, log analytics storage is done per resource group. Um, I always recommend yes. it per subscription. And, and and it's not only that. It's like, yes, you can have a, a log analytics resource group on the free tier because we have we have to think this back. I think it's worth going back one one step. That is like the log analytics workspace. You paying by the the amount of ingesting data per day okay yes, that's right that is what you pay of course that if you add space it will do that as well uh, it will add the space as well but the majority let's call it this way the majority of the cost of analytics is by injection data right so if you have multiple of those that you are above the threshold of the free tier that is 500 max per day and holding for seven days only okay um it could be okay you have only seven days and then you it's going to be okay to have a log analytics per resource group because usually if you think this a little bit down the road you have a vm for example that you can have a resource group you can have the agent sending information to do two different log analytics uh, and uh, and all of that that's mm -hmm. okay but now you are starting to get a little bit you are starting to overcomplicate things because for example if you have update management and and you know where i'm going right now right because if you have update management you need to have a log a, a log analytics one or at least a workspace right and you need to have an Azure account and you need uh, an Azure account, an Azure automation account. Mm -hmm. And you need to have all of that specific. And sometimes I'm seeing a lot of, of, of things happening, sending information to two different places. You are duplicating information and you are doing all of that and you are paying almost the time. Okay. For that, because one, you want to keep it, like you said, for longer than seven days if you want to keep it for longer than seven uh, seven days you need to go and pay as you go at least mm -hmm. right and now you are starting to pay so if you have a lot of those type of log analytics right multiple log analytics pay as you go prob probably is going to compensate you on the matter of cost to have a bigger one like a top tier i think it's above 100 gigs per day, something like that, I think is, is a top tier, if I'm not mistaken, that you're paying once and you can now dump all of that information over there. And now you have one log analytics that you can query. You centralize everything. It's just a matter of managing the storage, nothing mm -hmm. else. So I see this on the perspective of try to simplify that because now I can attach, for example, other systems like Azure Sentinel 
to that specific log analytics and I only have one place that I can ingest data because if you have, in this case, Azure Sentinel, you are paying for ingest data as well. So now you have the setting of multiple, multiple locations, right? You have just one that you are collecting data from. So it's trying to simplify things that a lot of organizations, they want to try to segregate, but I don't see, depending, of course, that those requirements, um, I have to say that, I don't see the value. Uh, I, I see that they are trying to complicate things that should be simple. Well, and I think uh, we're talking kind of about the same thing um, from two different perspectives. We're both talking Absolutely. about top-down design when it comes to data structure. So we're talking about deduplication, yes, absolutely. Uh, and we're talking about uh, not just unification, but uh, really cost optimization as well, right? So uh, these are all things that we have to consider. So, you know, like you say, if you have 15 storage accounts for log analytics that you're paying um, just like the pay-as-you-go tier, the bottom, uh, the bottom paying one, just above free. So... If you're paying like 15 of those, it's, I, I don't know the numbers, so, you know, forgive me, but it's probably cheaper to have one that's premium versus 15 standards. Yeah. Right. So yeah, like we just have to map those things out, but it comes back to design. Yeah. Right. So if we design it like that, we're going to understand what our cost is. And this is something uh, I think that is a deeper issue than just Absolutely. log analytics. We always try and stress with uh, all customers of Azure, that it should be design first, exactly. not go in and do first. Uh, yeah. It's not a free for all. This is a data center and we need to treat it like it's a data center because that's what it is. It's a subscription. It's your data center. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, so and, and sometimes it's not easy. It's not even easy to, to like make those changes because if you make those changes, um, you might oh, lose you some data. All of the VMs for a customer exactly. by doing that, right? You have to retake out, in this case, the agent. You have to to make sure that he's not connecting to that workspace, and now you're connecting to the other workspace, and all of that is is effort. And sometimes I think some sometimes happening that it only becomes available when you reboot the server. Yeah, because well, a lot of those log um, log analytics agents uh, use registry keys, right? So exactly. we have to reload the registry, and in Windows kernels, that's a reboot. Yeah. So um, it's a way better than it used to be. Uh, way no better, argument yeah. here. But um, you know, Windows 10 is um, very stable, actually. Um, my only my only complaint is uh, my my head shifts around a lot sometimes, but um, I. <laughs> I'm just going to blame Windows 10 for that because exactly. there's nobody else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to move to the, to the next one. I think so too. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Azure Automation for the system assign managed entities is now in public preview. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take this over? Oh, I, well, sure. I can talk a little bit. Yeah. So managed identities, this one's actually kind of cool, right? It is. So... Um, another uh, kind of hidden gem update for us here this week, right? So Azure Automation is now supporting 
the system assigned managed identities for cloud and hybrid jobs in the Azure public and government regions. So this one is really fun because what it means is that we can use those managed identities to authenticate to any Azure service that is supporting Azure AD authentication. Yes. And that is pretty much everything Azure because it's all built on top of Azure AD. Yeah. Uh, not to hit any sore spots here, but we know that Azure AD is the foundation layer. Yes. And uh, as long as that's nice and happy, I'm going to say, then everything, you like once you authenticate to that, you have access to all things that your role yeah. and your permissions give you access to. Absolutely. So this is another way to build uh, increased uh, stability, uh, increased ease of management. And one of the things I thought was cool, um, I did uh, read kind of the, the MS Docs deep dive, I want to say a little bit on this one. Uh, when we were talking about our, our preview and selecting our articles this week, right? The thing that kind of got me excited about this one was that we don't have to renew the certificate yes. used by the automation run as account. Yes. So anybody that has had to fight with certificates and automation run as, this is going to be groundbreaking. Completely. <laughs> so Although I'm it's in preview. So don't don't start doing this in production because it's still in preview and they might yeah. change and all yeah, of that's that. A good, that's a good point, right? Yeah. yeah. But so I know I do have in my testing tenant a lot of automation, as you as you know. Yeah. We talk about it often. But um, this is absolutely going to be tested out for me. Um, I'm really excited about uh, kind of leaving certificates by the side. Um, I love doing automation. I don't love working with certificates. So uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Azure Key Vault. I'm a big fan of managed identities and proper RBAC with the role-based access, right? because it eliminates the need for me as a administrator to work with certificates on a regular basis, right? Um, infrequently, yep, I'm fine with that. Uh, on a weekly or monthly basis for all of these different automations and things, um, I'm really starting to enjoy how Microsoft has been developing uh, automation in that regard to eliminate the need for hands-on cert management. Exactly. And that's that's the beauty of it. That's that's really the beauty of it. Last but not least, we have the user data through Azure Instance Manage, uh, Metadata Service now generally available. We did cover this, if you remember, uh, on, on the, another episode about mm -hmm. this Azure Instance Metadata Service. Um, and it's pretty cool that now we can see this as a GA. So this service is the service that provides information about the currently running virtual machine instance. So meaning that you can now see if that machine, for example, virtual machine or a virtual machine scale set instance, what are the endpoints that you are using using in this case the uh, arm the azure resource manager okay yeah. so it's it's a rest api that is available okay to a non-rootable ip 
like in this case the APIPA one, um, mm -hmm. that you can use without accessing the VM. Pretty cool. Now that is becoming GA. Um, and now we have that information that we can see all of the things inside of the VM, but without logging into the VM. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. And this is like a console plus one, right? <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. Console plus V2 one. console maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know what? Maybe that's what it is, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, you refer sometimes to uh, ARM as like Azure V2. And yeah. so maybe this is like console V2. Um, yeah, probably. So it, it, it is though. It's a, it's a really good way. And um you know, boot diagnostics, like bringing all these things together for um, reachability, I want to say, uh, ease of administration for VMs and uh, making it easy, again, to apply roles uh, to this kind of thing, right? So uh, if you have a hardware team, um, you know, the translation to that at Azure uh, virtualized level is really this, right? It so is. Uh, this is where they would be working and uh, helping to diagnose problems like, hey, the VM didn't boot because of this, um, you know, we'll change this setting and do that and it'll be good. Or uh, maybe we need to contact Azure support and get this uh, VM moved to another cluster. I think you can redeploy to a new cluster anyways, right? But, yeah. um, you know, you may need to contact support for different things sometimes. Um, anyways, yeah, before I deep dive into reasons why VMs don't start. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's it's a cool update that now is in GA, um, and and we can see it uh, that part. With that, we come to the end of our show this week. Very sadly, um, I know. So um, I want to thank you in this case, Andrew, for being part of another week of the Azure centric podcast on our weekly update shows. Um, and to thank you to listen all of this so far. Uh, so if you are new to the show, uh, don't forget to subscribe, to smash that like button like you guys are doing. Comments Absolutely. are, yeah, are marvelous. Feedback has been just amazing. It's just amazing. Um, and, and everything else. And I did forget to mention this on, on the introduction. We did, didn't we? Yes, oh to thank gosh. you everyone. But How we don't forget at the end. Very so, much. so it's it's the good thing about the end, right? So um once again, thank you, Andrew, and thank you that you are listening. I hope that you like this week uh show and see you next week. Bye. <laughs>